Hello and welcome to another episode of the Brothers Creed Podcast, where we talk about experiences, motivation, and exploring the world around us. We're the Thomas Brothers, and I'm Jared. I'm Ethan. Today we are going to be talking about an interesting topic of intimidation. So intimidation uh, can mean a lot of different things. It can be uh, personal, it can be individual, uh, a person can be intimidating, uh, it could be intimidation in, in, you know, in, in your business, or it can be intimidation as big groups of people, maybe in war, or um, maybe sports teams do things that are intimidating. So it's going to be really interesting kind of dig, digging into intimidation tactics, and uh, is it so, is it positive or is it negative? And some of the examples uh, throughout history. We've we got a lot of examples, uh, some cool ones that uh, I think it would be just interesting to learn about. So Yeah, all right, let's do it. Let's do it. You can't climb the ladder of success with your hands in a pocket. We will not go quietly into the night. They tell me you're a man with true grit. I am the one who knocks. Don't ever tell me what I can't do, ever! That's how winning is done! Okay, so, uh, intimidation... First off, what I wanted to do is just give a Webster's Dictionary definition of intimidation. So intimidation is intentional behavior that would cause a person of ordinary sensibilities to fear harm or injury. So huh. somebody who is of ordinary sensibility, so just a, a normal person, right, to fear harm or injury. Um, I think a lot of times intimidation is confused with bullying or harassment right but there's actually different there's different layers there intimidation is more of um uh, to like scare or frighten someone by but bullying is actually trying to bring harm to a person uh it's kind of a fine line but you think of like intimidation maybe a a really tall bodybuilder who's like really tall and just massive right their presence might be intimidating yeah and they might in the gym they might be like when they're doing their lifts and they're they're yelling at the top of their lungs that might be intimidating right <laughs> i don't know or might make me laugh it must not be in planet fitness right <laughs> yeah seriously but a teenager who trips somebody in the hallway and laughs at them as they drop all their books all over the floor i mean that's that's bullying right yeah. and so there is a fine line because yeah. nowadays you can't really say things i mean i mean bullying can be i mean definitely bullying can be verbal as well and, and and there's all different types of things but intimidation is is just an interesting yeah it's interesting one thing that i think that sometimes you can intimidate people without even knowing it yeah. uh one of the things that definitely i think is interesting that my wife uh who's gorgeous uh by the way uh she is a very not a very outgoing person she's very pretty and um she was in a kind of a church uh, calling, kind of a service calling, where she was uh, working with the the young women of the ward of our congregation, and so she's working with the young women, and and someone w- came in to work alongside her, and this person was very shy, uh, and they were very reserved, and uh, for the first maybe week or two, they just couldn't hardly talk to my wife, and and my wife was very outgoing to them, and then later uh, when they got to know my wife a little bit better, uh, they were just they kind of revealed to her, you know, I was really intimidated by you at first. Uh, you're just so pretty and you're so outgoing and I didn't, 
you know, that was very intimidating to me. And so I just find that that's, that's interesting that, you know, those kind of someone else's strengths and, and their attributes can almost be a threat uh, or it can be perceived as a threat to some people who may not be uh, an extrovert or who may not be, uh, they may not think they're, you know, very good looking or, or whatever. And so yeah. that can be seen as intimidation as well. Or something that maybe is my weakness. If I have a, 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 a weakness in something that I'm very aware of and I'm thinking about it and everything else. And then I see somebody who that is like their strong point. Yeah. That's definitely like, Oh man, like that's a little bit intimidating, right? It's, yeah. it's hard. It's kind of hard to approach that person because you feel like, Oh man, they're so much better or whatever else. And so it's definitely interesting. What, uh, what I, I was making a short list of things that what makes people intimidating and it could be so many different things. It could be size. Maybe somebody's really tall. It could be muscles. Maybe somebody is really big. It could be intelligence or intellect. Maybe someone is just so super smart. And then when you talk to them, it's just like right over your head. You're like, what the heck are you talking about? Yeah. And, um, there's this one guy. It's not intimidating at all, but at work, he, when he talks, he uses like, I think he's got a thesaurus like on his computer and like he, he, he uses these words that are like literally when he says the words, I'm like, what does that word mean? Like, I don't know what you're saying. I, I'm relatively educated, but I was like, I don't even know what that word means. And so, <laughs> so there's been a couple of times where I've like looked up what the word means and it, it it's, it's not intimidating because it seems so forced. It's like he's talking to a bunch of people and he's like, you know, actually, according to my research and blah, 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 blah. It's just like, no, indeed. But uh, <laughs> it's funny. So intellect, um, someone maybe who is unfriendly or that seems unfriendly, maybe sometimes introverts, people that don't really like social social gatherings and they just kind of sit off in the corner by themselves, they that they could be unapproachable or can seem intimidating. Like imagine if you were going to go up and like argue against some political like gene or like know-how or I mean like like imagine if you were gonna go on live tv and argue a point against Ben Shapiro <laughs> you know it's just like yeah. oh Jesus like that would be intimidating to me because I don't know like the yeah. guy talks so fast like he's like one of the only podcasts I can't listen to on double speed because he talks so fast <laughs> and so I'm like wait a sec what did you say to me or like what <laughs> you know it's just like he would be onto the next topic before I could even register what he just said. Yeah, exactly. So that would be like an example of intimidation versus yeah. Because you're like, oh, I want to be able to keep up. I want to be able to do this. You know. Yep. yep. People that don't uh, offer lots of facial expressions, it's hard to read. People can be intimidating. People that don't really express emotion sometimes can be intimidating. Yeah. Um, and then kind of goes along with um, with intelligence maybe, but people that are super successful or that are very rich or very wealthy. It's almost, um, it's, it's maybe a, a little bit of a, a complex on the person who's there. That's kind of like, Oh, you know, I don't even measure up to this person. And it's just that the whole, their presence is intimidating. Like if I was, if I was to, if we were to have Jeff Bezos on the podcast here, I'd be a little bit intimidated just because it's like, this is a high profile guy that's worth more money than I could even imagine. Yeah, man. I, I'd, and, I'd probably uh, wear like a suit to the, the podcast. Scene. <laughs> no, a tuxedo. A t- yeah, tuxedo. <laughs> we can both wear tuxedos. Are you saying Pam or Pam? <laughs> I see you wore a tuxedo to a janitor's interview. <laughs> I think it's Pan. <laughs> yeah, that was from Set Brothers. If you don't know what that movie, is, it's pretty funny. Um, 
one of the quotes I saw was interesting. It said, while leaders with social intelligence use empathy and soft power to build bridges, politically intelligent leaders are use intimidation and hard power to exploit the anxieties and vulnerabilities they detect. So that's, I think, one of the reasons, one of the ways that if you're trying to intimidate someone, you're trying to expose their vulnerabilities and their anxieties. And so, you know, let's just say if I was trying to intimidate someone and I was, I knew that they were kind of an introvert, I would uh, try to pull them out or, or try to, exp- you know, call them out in a conversation uh, to where they would feel intimidated or exposed uh, they, they exploit their anxieties so that they're they're like oh p- you know put them off their feet uh, and then that would be a way to intimidate someone like that you know yeah definitely so one of the ways that we came up with a bunch of examples here uh, I, I think one of the first ones I actually want to share is uh, George General George Patton uh, and one of the things that he used to do he's such a character in history. Uh, and I, I think it's so funny how he used to practice his so-called general's face, quote unquote, uh, and he wanted to do that. He would practice that in the mirror so that he would appear terrifying and, and menacing in his countenance. So he would practice kind of making a mean face in the mirror. Uh, and mean mug in the mirror. Exactly. Mean mugging so that people would uh, think, oh man, that guy's mean. I don't want to mess with him. Because if you walk around with a smiley disposition as a general, People are going to be like, uh, you know, he's they a pushover. Might, they he's might not respect you as much. So it's interesting some of the other things that General Patton. So he is, didn't naturally have a deep, booming voice, unlike the George C. Scott in the movie Patton, uh, who did have a deep voice. Uh, George Patton, he was a master of the dramatic pause. Uh, he would lower his voice to great effect, forcing the audience to listen carefully before bellowing out a line of profanity usually. Uh, while with the skill of a method actor, Patton would also strive to achieve intimidating uh, with his war face uh, to communicate his intensity. So that's his general face that he would practice. So uh, he would use that dramatic pause and he would use his language and his face to create this tough exterior, even though you know his voice was a, a little bit higher. And so I thought that was one of the interesting uh, aspects of, from history. He was trying to create this persona, this tough, this mean guy uh, that um, you know basically has become a legend uh, over over the years. Uh, one of the other ones that I like about intimidation, but it also it, it's not quite intimidation, but it, it it is kind of goes back to your mindset. So I was thinking, you know, like there are cultures all over the world that uh, use war paint, uh, face paint, and uh, they will paint symbols, you know, on their faces. Uh, There was the, when the Romans were fighting the barbarians of the north, you know, the the men, the barbarians, where they would write, they were with like blue symbols on their faces, uh, they would, they believed that those were like, um, you know, uh, not like, like protection from the gods and the barbarians would fight like wild men and terrified the Romans because these guys had with wild abandon, they were just, you know, like animals. And, and so that terrified the Romans and it, and that those face paints, uh, gave so much confidence to those who were wearing it. Uh, face paints 
have also been used uh, for other reasons. Kind of one of the other reasons why face paint sometimes will work is because if your face is masked, you almost feel like you are a different person. Uh, and the actions that you're about to take are not you, but someone else. And that's why you see like the Predator movies. You know, what does Schwarzenegger do before he kills the Predator? He puts that. He always puts face paint on, or or, or, or commando, which is like yeah, he always puts that commando face. on his face, right? And so you know, every almost anything you see, or like Rambo when he gets mud all over himself and he just jumps in out of the trees and just stabbing people. You know, it's like it's not quite an an intimidation, but it's like a way for you to get in the mindset of I'm someone else or I'm invincible. One of the interesting stories, uh, there's a. A great book called The Art of War. It's an ancient book. Uh, Sun Tzu. If you haven't ever read it, uh, go check it out. It's it's really kind of a collection of a co- cool stories and, and sayings. Uh, but one of the stories in it was about a general who assembled his troops and told them, uh, quote, I will toss a coin. Uh, basically, they were in a situation where they were outnumbered. Uh, the, the troops were outnumbered. So the general brought his guys together and said, I will toss a coin after visiting the shrine. And if it lands on heads... We will be victorious. Uh, so he tosses a coin and it lands on heads. Uh, they had so much confidence that they were that they defeated their enemy very swiftly, even though they were outnumbered. What if it landed on tails? He okay. said after the battle, one of his priests said, "You cannot change destiny." He said, "You can with a rigged coin." Showing him the double-sided coin. <laughs> so it's kind of like a heads I win, tails you lose situation. <laughs> exactly. So the, really, that it was the belief. That they cert- that they they gave them certainty uh, over the that they would have that advantage that allowed them to beat uh, the opposite army that would that had them outnumbered and so uh, really that belief in that supernatural protection that that's what gave them the confidence and it wasn't necessarily that you know <laughs> the coin whatever and so that's kind of the it goes in with the war paint uh, and that believing that you are. V- Invincible, believing that you are furious, that is what really can be intimidating to the enemy is just that confidence in yourself. Interesting. I, I like that. It's, it's, yeah, I mean, it, you know, heads we're going to win, and no matter what it is, it's going to be heads. It's like Harvey so. Harvey Dent? or No. What's the Two-Face? Yeah, yeah. Har- well, yeah, Two-Face. He's got the coin, you know? Yeah, but one side is actually... A well, that's after, but before, you know, he would yeah, just, he he'd make his own luck, right? Yeah. So, uh, I got a couple different examples um, of war situations as well. This is, is one that when you're looking into intimidation, it's kind of like, you know, I don't know, all is fair in love and war, right? It's kind of like if if someone can use an intimidation tactic to make it so the other side surrenders, then isn't that actually saving lives? If they didn't actually go to battles with each other, then... No, well, uh, the thing is that rarely intimidation makes you not go to battle. Well, from my research, mostly what intimidation is is to defeat the enemy mentally before you go and defeat them physically. Yeah. Get them on their heels, and then I'm going to come and attack you. Because... I mean, I mean. Well, I guess it, yeah. It, it, maybe it would make the defeat uh, quicker, maybe. Or yeah, I mean, you, there are cases where like there was like propaganda. You know, people dropping propaganda posters and stuff like that across enemy lines, trying to get people to surrender. Or like, 
it's actually interesting. Well, you you go ahead and tell your story. Well, yeah, so there was this one guy, uh, T- Timur. It was he's a ancient ruler. Um, don't know all the details, but one of the things that he would do is he would tower up the skulls of his enemies that he had conquered on the outsides, and he basically he would tower these skulls outside of the cities of people that he was going to attack. And so, um, I mean, it was like hundreds of thousands of skulls that he would pile in front of the the entrance to these cities. Um, and basically, it was just like his intimidation tactic of, you know, everyone else has died and you will too, oh, which is kind of interesting. Um, it says it was estimated that his campaign caused the death of 17 million people or a fifth of the world's population at that time. Wow. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. And so it was basically stretched through Mesopotamia and throughout China. Um, crazy. Which was kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, another one that's interesting that I'll, that I'll kind of throw in with that is, um, have you ever heard of the Aztec death whistle? Um, so basically, no. it's this little clay whistle that the Aztec would make. But the thing is, when you blow into it, it is like this horrifying screeching sound that, like, they they likened it to um, basically the screams of a thousand uh, people, the wails of a thousand people dying. Oh, geez. And I've actually heard. Um, maybe we'll we'll throw this up on on some of our socials, but. Uh, there is a guy, um, I think I saw it on YouTube or something like that, but he actually blows one of these whistles, and it's like, it's pretty crazy. It, sound, it sound, literally sounds like a person screaming in like horrifying screams. Oh, wow. And so what they would do is you would have, you know, these uh, armies of hundreds of, or, or thousands, tens of thousands of uh, Aztecan warriors, and they would all have these death whistles, and they would march into battle blowing these whistles in unison and it would just sound like the wailing suffering screams of people and it was so intimidating to the enemy just because it's like you know it's just this eerie creepy sound that it makes it's kind of like the uh, dothraki screamers yeah (laughs) (laughs) well i have something similar uh and and, um there was a op in vietnam war uh there was something called operation wandering soul and the villagers would tell stories about, uh, you know, haunted jungle spirits, and how they believe that spirits would scream and wander in the night, and so, and that these screams that these ghosts would send haunting wails across the darkness. So the U.S. soldiers recorded creepy sounds and wails, and they played them uh, on huge speakers uh, into the jungles, which was supposedly d- to demoralize and scare the Viet Cong. I did that same one too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was actually we talked about that in another episode um, as well in a in a loyalist episode where there's a whole bunch of different like war tactics that are kind of cool. Um, but yeah, I thought it was really interesting because the Viet Cong believed that if someone wasn't placed properly in a burial spot, that their soul was basically doomed to walk the earth. And so, with everyone just dying in war, you had people dying all over the place. I mean, the U.S. they took advantage of that definitely yeah and they strap they strap these massive speakers loudspeakers to helicopters cars boats even guys would walk around with speakers on their back 
like in the oh. at, at night and and make these sounds. I mean, they would use them at their base to help like just ward off Viet Cong because it would it was so scary to them. Interesting. Well, yeah, it's funny. You ever hear about uh, those? You know, you know, like the uh, cargo ships. How they have these Somalian pirates that come and they attack the cargo ships. Do you know what the cargo ships do to fend off these Somalian pirates? They spray them with water hoses. Yeah. What do you want us to do? Oh, don't they play like really ridiculous music or they something? They play Britney Spears. Britney Spears, hit me, baby, one more time. And that is that's that music has gotten them to stop more often than not. They're just like, dude, I'm done with this. I'm not, it's not even worth it. They'll just blast hit me, baby, one more time on, on like the loudspeaker so loud that they'll just be like, oh, we, we just can't do this. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, because cause it, it's kind of a lengthy process. They come in, they circle the boats, they do all those kinds of things, and interesting. Yeah, so that, that's kind of an intimidation tactic, and they're just like, dude, I'm not I'm not messing with that. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody mess with Britney Spears. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, th- there's some other cool ones here. I have, uh, I have kind of a, a longer one that talks about the Spartans. So I think it's... You can't really talk about intimidation without talking about the Spartan warriors. And the Spartan men <laughs> not only had skills and training to back up their reputation, but they also had the, uh, the, the appearance and the intimidation tactics to, uh, that match their the six-pack abs. Their prowess, yeah, exactly. So Spartans, t- the idea was to terrorize your enemy before you even got within spear's length. That's what I talked about earlier is to get them on their heels so that they're already shaking in their boots. Or like as in the movie, he says, with their hearts gripped with icy fingers at the thought of what Leonidas and his 300 did to their, you know, previous army, you know, so. Or when the guy comes and, and uh, they like cut off his arm and, he, and the guy from the Persian says, our, our arrows will blot out the sun. Yeah, and what does he say? We'll fight in the shade. Then we will fight in the shade. Yeah, talking about intimidate, you throw out all this intimidation, and their arrows did blot out the sun. But he's like, you know what? We're gonna fight anyway. That was cool. One of the that's epic, obviously one of the most epic uh, quotes of all time. Uh, then of course, uh, Molon Labe, where he says, uh, "Come and get." Th-, or they yeah, say, "Lay down your weapons," them. and he says, "Come and get them." So anybody who knows, that's a really big uh, amongst the uh, the. Second Amendment loving Americans out there is that uh, we don't want to give up our guns, and if you want to take them, then come and get them. So, uh, love that, love that quote. Uh, so, anyway, the Spartan warriors they stood straight and they stood uh, in steady formation, and basically the way that they stood, the way that they looked was, and their clothes and equipment matched their strength, discipline, and their ferocity. And so they had a couple of different things. They had their scarlet tunic, and their which was their cape that they would kind of toss off before uh, they ran into battle. So there was a historian named probably going to butcher his name Xenophon. Xenophon. Uh, he tells that the color was uh, quote the least resem- resemblance to a woman's clothing and to be most suitable for war. So that that just looking back at history. So it was kind of a masculine color, as what he's saying, and at least suitable, for, most suitable for war, and that's kind of where the apocryphal idea came from. That it was because it was red, it would hide your blood and hide your weakness from your enemy. So that's why it was good for war. Kind of like you know what Deadpool he says. That's why my my suit is red, so you can't see my blood, right? Yeah. And then he goes, "Oh, you should have brought your brown pants." 
exactly. Uh, so the Spartan hoplite carried armor and a shield, which uh, was buffed basically to a brilliant shine. Uh, and Spartans actually wore their hair long. Uh, the, the long hair was a symbolic of a free man in their society. Uh, and they believed that it made, uh, quote, that it made the handsome more comely and the ugly more frightful. <laughs> so the handsome person, comely means like uh, pleasant or pleasing, uh, and then the ugly more frightful. Uh, and the Spartans kept themselves well-groomed, often uh, braiding their hair or keeping their beards neatly trimmed. That was one thing about Patton as well. Patton was also very neatly groomed, uh, always shaved, always sharp, uh, never dirty, or at least he tried not to be. And uh, he, he had a big issues with... Uh, there was a, a cartoon artist in the war that came out with a cartoon about... And when they depicted the soldiers, he would they would depict them, you know, these hardened soldiers. They would depict them as having beards and scraggly and dirty clothes and all this kind of stuff. And Patton took a big issue with that because he wanted, uh, you know, soldiers to be represented as clean cut, sharp uh, type soldiers. So that was interesting. Uh, then the thing they had was the hair. Uh, so they had their helmets and uh, their heads were placed on top of their helmets was that... Uh, was that long uh, horse hair that was like a big fin on top of their helmet, and it created the illusion that they were much taller in stature, uh, and it was that terrified the enemy. Another thing that's interesting is their helmet. Now, there's a, a book called uh, Gates of Fire by Stephen Pressfield, and he it's a it's a work of fiction, but he kind of he does a lot of historical de- accurate details, and he describes the helmet, the Spartan helmet, as the most frightening of all. So I think it's interesting here what he kind of describes this as. He says, adding further to the theater of terror presented by the Hellenic phalanx, so that's their for, their square formations, uh, or the blank expressionless faces facings of the Greek helmets with their bronze nasal nasals thick as a man's thumb, their flaring cheek pieces, and the unholy hollows of their eye slits, covering the entire face and projecting to the enemy the sensation that he was facing not creatures of flesh like himself, but some ghastly, invulnerable machine, pitless and unquenchable. That's pretty cool. Yeah, you're like looking into a void. And, uh, yeah, the, the uh, samurai also did the simil- something similar. They have the samurai masks, which uh, work to protect your face somewhat, but it was also just to scare and intimidate. A lot of them had like crazy faces on them and stuff exactly. like that. Some of them had long noses so they could look like demons. So that you know, yeah, like go, horns and stuff. You're going into yeah. a battle, and you look like a looks like a demon's charging at you. And you're like, oh my gosh, you know, this is crazy. Uh, the uh, the the clothing equipment Spartans wore basically served two purposes. One, it made soldiers the soldier himself feel more ferocious, and we talked about that earlier uh, with that confidence that they, they built with him. And then two, it intimidated the heck out of their foes, uh, which was the second purpose of it. And so. I think that's just one great example of how the Spartans kind of softened up the enemy's uh, lines before they even got to him. And that's kind of in that in that movie 300 at the end when he talks about how they've already they've already know what 300 of us can do. And that's what they have on their minds right now. And now they're about to face thousands of us and, and they're shaking in their boots. And that's that last scene is like so powerful. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's crazy. Um. So, 
it's so interesting. Some of these tactics of people who thought of this stuff too. It's like, and maybe it's just because maybe, maybe it wasn't some of these things weren't done for a particular reason, but I like to think that they, that they were uh, a couple of, so just some short ones here. Alexander the great would uh, spread rumors that his, of, of his troops savagery. Like he would spread rumors that they were cannibals, that they were this and they were that he would have his, his people go and spread those rumors into the, the regions that he wanted to conquer so that whenever they were like, Oh, Alexander the Great's coming with his armies. They were like, Oh crap. You know, his soldiers are just crazy. Right. So they were just kind of rumors. I thought this was really cool. So at times the, uh, Macedonians, they had oversized body armor built that they would leave lying on the battlefields so that their enemies would find them and think that they were giants. Like purposefully built armor that was massive. And then they, (laughs) these people would pick this up and be like, who had this sword or whose helmet is this or whatever. And so they would think that they had giants amongst their ranks. I have a similar story to that. This is a rumor. I wasn't able to confirm this because I look back, but apparently there was a rumor that in World War II, uh, they would <laughs> drop condoms behind the enemy lines and they were like foot-long condoms, but they were labeled as mediums and they were supposed to be for the American soldiers and it was to intimidate <laughs> the enemy soldiers like, oh my gosh, if this is a medium, I don't want to know what a oh, large geez. is. Like, we got to give up on these guys. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's funny. Um, yeah, so... Um, oh, that guy, uh, that guy I talked about earlier who would... Um, uh, build the the pyramids of skulls. He was a, a Mongolian chieftain. Um, a couple other ones, uh, different tactics that I thought were interesting that that have been, um, I guess, uh, intimidating in the in the past have been uh, propaganda. We kind of talked about this earlier, but uh, one of the things that the the American and, and British did is they created fake operation papers that they like allowed to get captured during World War II that had basically fake operations on it saying that D-Day was going to be somewhere else. And it actually did work. They did trick a certain amount of, of um, I guess, uh, platoons or whatever else. I don't know all, the, the, all the, the specific history of it, but it did work to a certain extent, and there wasn't as many people on Normandy uh, that there could have been because of this, um, basically this trickery that they use. Misdirection, yeah. Yeah, misdirection. Um, Another tactic that the military often has is what's called shock and awe. Um, Military action of pure aggression. Um, It's kind of inspired out of the the nuclear bombs that were dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Basically, it was an act of just like, just pure aggression. And... The Japanese, upon seeing the the mass loss of life and utter destruction, they they just immediately surrendered. They were just like, "We're done. We can't we can't go up against yeah. that. This yeah, is too we're big. done." Yeah. And so and so that's kind of uh, the military has actually used this tactic of shock and awe several times in going into um, you know, certain parts of Iraq or whatever else that they'll um, just they will lay siege to an area and drop like. 10 times the amount of bombs and mortars and everything else that they actually need to to demoralize the enemy just to boom so that they say oh my gosh if this is if they can do this what else can they do 
right? Yeah. And so that shock and awe is kind of crazy. Um, yeah, one of the examples of when I think of shock and awe, <laughs> you remember that first uh, Iron Man where he's like goes out there and he's like he shows him the Jericho missile. Yeah, and he's just like behold Jericho, and the whole thing just goes actually destroys the hillside and it's just like the shock wave and he's just like, like yeah i'm like oh my gosh that is some serious firepower i'm like that's what i think of when i think of shock and awe <laughs> yeah or like if you, if you ever see videos of the moab you ever see the mother of all bombs mm-hmm. that thing is intense man yeah it's yeah. like yeah so um one of the last things i, uh, I wanted to say well this is kind of interesting too um you don't really think about this very much but terrorism can be really is kind of a form of intimidation, right? When you have, uh, you know, I guess living in the United States, then, you know, seeing what acts of terrorism, whether it's bombings or 9-11 or whatever else. Shootings or something. Yeah, shootings and stuff like that, whether it's domestic or foreign terrorism or terrorists. It's basically people trying to, uh, I don't know, intimidate everyone into, I don't know, believing in their cause or... Uh, maybe there's no rhyme or reason, but I just kind of thought it was interesting that in some of the things I looked at, that terrorism was actually um, linked under like a, a intimidation tactic, which is interesting. Yeah, interesting. Um, you didn't talk about Blackbeard. So I didn't talk about Blackbeard, but one of the things that uh, I thought you were going to talk about Blackbeard. I thought you were talking about that. Well, there's a lack of communication apparently. <laughs> so, so one of the coolest ones that we originally thought of when we were like, oh, intimidation. Oh, yeah, was, I do remember I should have done Blackbeard. Was Blackbeard. Whoops. So the Blackbeard was a, an infamous pirate, and he's uh, kind of North Carolina has a special spot. Uh, he, he was a pirate off the coast of North Carolina, and uh, his actually the his ship sunk right off the coast of North Carolina. And uh, uh, he was kind of an infamous legend. In fact, I think that the legend goes that when he died, uh, they they cut his head off and his body swam around yeah, they, the ship they, three times. Before yeah, they cut his head off and they threw him overboard and his body swam around the ship three times before it sunk down into the depth of Jv Davy Jones' locker. And so, uh, uh, anyway, the the thing with him was that he had this long black hair, he had this big beard, and he would put fuses, cannon fuses, into his hair and into the curls of his hair and his beard, and. Uh, he would light light them so it bl- burn slow and there would be like, like a, slow burning fuses yeah. and there'd be smoke around him so he'd step onto these ships that he boarded or that he's pirating and it's almost like a demon stepping on board uh, and apparently from what I understand of, of him is that he was actually pretty merciful uh, and, and the way that he he wouldn't just kill everybody he would just say you know surrender uh, stop fighting either you either you surrender right away or we will kill everybody and so that actually helped him because he was a man of his word and because he wouldn't just kill everybody anyway. They knew that if Blackbeard, if you were going up against Blackbeard, you just surrender and he'll give he'll steal all your stuff, but he won't kill you. Uh, and that's how his crew and he actually was able to stay around for quite a long time is because he didn't kill as many people. He didn't get into so many altercations. He built this demon persona that people were so terrified of him uh, that he could just walk on, and people believed he was a man of his word, and so if he said he wouldn't kill you, he wouldn't kill you. I think that's one thing around Blackbeard that's so interesting and has always been interesting to me is that it was almost his reputation that was, he was so infamous that the, I mean, just the the sound of, uh, you know, that's a Blackbeard ship was just 
completely demoralizing and terrifying to anybody who was on the other side. Um, so yeah, that's an interesting one. This last one that I had, uh, was kind of interesting. It's, it's an example of how intimidation can actually be used as a, a, a defense in what you're doing. So, um, do you remember, I was just, I thought of this whenever I was, was writing these things down. You remember the OC? Show yeah, the OC? Yeah, I do. So this is just an example. Obviously, this is a fictional TV show, but there's one point to where the main character he uh, kind of has a you know they're supposed to be in high school, but they like look twenty five, yeah. look thirty. Right? There's this one guy that had been like really picking on him, and he was like a really good fighter, and he was a really good uh, you know he was just a, he was a, a massive jerk, um, but he was always kind of picking on this this one guy. And it got to the point to where they were like under a pier or something like that. And they were, um, the, the main character, his name's Ryan, he got like jumped by this guy and maybe a two or three of his friends or something like that. And he was completely outnumbered. He wasn't going to win the fight. And so instead, he just acted like he was completely crazy. And he like grabbed a, uh, he grabbed a glass bottle and like broke it on the on one of the the pylons of the pier, and so it was like super sharp. And he was like, "If we're gonna do this, somebody's gonna die," you know. And he was just like, just saying all these crazy things, like, "If you wanted to go, let's go, let's go." And 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 I mean, he it was almost like he was so intimidating in what he was doing, and it was like his posture and what he was saying and what he was doing, and he he had this glass thing. He had no intention on actually like hurting anybody. It was all for show. And yeah. the guy was like, the guy was like, oh, uh, he was so taken aback that he was just like, uh, uh, no, it's not worth it, man. It's not worth it. And, and they left. It was almost, it was almost like his, that intimidation saved him. Um, yeah. I mean, you think about in the animal world, there's so many like, like natural uh, ways that animals have evolved over the years that make them look more intimidating. I mean, like, like animals that look like they have eyes or they posture so that their feathers go out and it makes them look bigger or they puff up their manes or they, you know, puff up their feathers or whatever it may be to look larger. Um, that's why they say if you're, if a bobcat ever comes up, comes up to you, look as large as you can and yell at it and intimidate it. Uh, and then it'll back down. Um, in fact, when I was working at Goldman uh, in Utah, uh, we lived, it was right up on the top of the hills where the offices was, right on top of the mountain. Well, there, there was a mountain right behind our office building. And then behind that, there was absolutely nothing. It was just mountains. And they sent an, they had sent an email out saying, if, if there's been some mountain lions in the parking lot, <laughs> if you see a mountain lion, then, you know, yell at it and tell it to get out of here and try to be, appear as big as possible. And the people from New York thought that that was the craziest thing they had ever heard because those... Those rednecks out in Utah, Utah have to fight mountain lions to get into work in the morning. And, you know, these guys are like, like, all I fight is people on the subway. Yeah, it's exactly. Like, it's like, if, it's like if you find a crackhead, yeah, all I find, yell as loud as you can and put your arms <laughs> as wide as you can. <laughs> all I find is homeless people on the streets. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so one of the things I, a funny things I thought about is remember that movie Over the Top? Oh, yeah. Remember Sylvester Stallone. Remember the guy that, that was like trying to intimidate everybody? <laughs> There's a guy in the like the last like like arm wrestling scene where like uh, it was like the finals or something like yeah, that. Yeah, he he first he's like 
he's eating like a cigar. He is smoking a cigar, and then he just like eats the whole cigar. He just like yeah. chews it into his he mouth. Had the, and he had like a it. he had like a butt left, and it was like he couldn't have it before he went on. And so, so he was up there, and in front of his opponent, he like put it in his mouth and like chewed up the he rest. He put of it on his tongue and put it out, yeah. and then he just and they put it in his mouth and ate the whole cigar. And then uh, he beat the guy, and then the next one is he takes some motor oil and he's he like drinking pour, motor he oil. He pours it into his mouth. <laughs> And then, like, this shows him in the next scene, and he's, like, drinking some... Uh, he's, like, taking Tums or something like that, and he, like, looks super sick <laughs> or, like, throws up or something. It was, what's the stuff, the fizzy stuff? Uh, Alka-Seltzer. He's still yeah. drinking some Alka-Seltzer because <laughs> he's drinking motor yeah, oil. Yeah, and he's, like, oh, because he feels terrible. But, uh, yeah, I mean... But he looked scary doing it. Yeah. It's so funny, intimidation. When you look at, look at basically any wrestling, it's all intimidation. Uh, you know, like the WWE and stuff like that. It's all, it's all fake, obviously, but... Uh, if you didn't know that by now, uh, it, and it's it's just funny how they intimidate each, each other and the way that they uh, interact. It's all a posturing game, uh, but yeah, there's so much to intimidation and how it works and and how uh, different societies have used it to scare the enemy or to scare their opponents. And every even in the corporate world, people uh, use it. I was telling Ethan before we started recording. I was like, yeah, I was reading this article about corporate intimidation. And it was an old article from the New York Times about how Harvey Weinstein was so intimidating. And I was like, oh, that article aged poorly. <laughs> I think he got like, what, 26 years in prison for the stuff he just did. It just sentenced him. But uh, yeah, he, he was definitely a bully. Uh, so I think that there's a spectrum of intimidation uh, from terrorism, bullying, and then from also you can look at the other stream to say like, you're so, co- you're so confident in yourself. Yeah. It doesn't have anything to do with anybody else. You're so confident in yourself that others are ter- terrified of you. Uh, and so, uh, interesting way. Uh, love this topic. I think it's so cool to explore different things, explore uh, some history on it as well as how we view it today. So, Yeah, I just like hearing these stories. There's so many stories out there. Um, and if, I don't know, if you want to hear more stories like this, we, there's, we have lots of episodes where we just tell cool stories like this. Um, so go back and look at some of those interesting, uh, episodes on some of the topics that even our Patreon episodes, we, yeah. we talk about some cool stuff. In fact, uh, in July, are we, our first episode in July, we came out with the samurai, uh, the, uh, the code of uh, the code of conduct of the samurai. We talk about some really cool, Bushido. really cool stories about the samurai. That was a fun episode. Yeah. Yeah. And so. Uh, go check that out if you can. If you want to uh, support us on Patreon, it's only five bucks a month, and you get two episodes a month, as well as we'll send you two extra episodes, extra episodes that are exclusive, exactly. And we'll send you a, a Brothers Creed decal that you can put on your water bottle, on your car, or whatever uh, to show your support. So, uh, thank you all for joining today, and let's build that creed together. All right, let's do it. <laughs>